Hello, and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm Callum. And I'm James. And there's no point in being squeamish. We got a podcast to record. (laughs) (laughs) This is our third attempt to record this podcast. And every week here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. But right now, we are closing in on the end of the Great Flux Experiment with Chapter 5, Survivors of the Flux. As always, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, and that's two, the number two. Or if you want to have your thoughts and feeling's read out on the show, please feel free to email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com, and that's two, the word two. Callum, before we get to Survivors of the Flux, uh, I believe we have some Doctor Who news to discuss. So we found out this morning, um, <laughs> and we're pleased as punch, uh, we've actually been nominated for Best Podcast in the Doctor Who Community Show Awards. Um, and we're like, <laughs> still a little bit like, wow, that's cool. Because we're very new on the Doctor Who Twitter conversation. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, we've been doing this for what, like two years now, whatever it is. But, like, we weren't... <laughs> let's just say we weren't particularly good at inserting ourselves into the conversation. Um, and Flux has really been the thing that's allowed us to kind of catch up with everybody and sort of make those connections finally. Um, and so it's just really, like heartening and 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 very you know sort of assuring of what we're doing here to to be nominated for this so we really appreciate that um if you're listening and you want to vote for us please feel free to head over to at who community on twitter uh there's a link to the uh google voting sheet on their page um uh, yeah we'd really appreciate that it's just a bit of nice surprise very nice surprise very nice indeed in other news we do have some future episode news which seems very rare in the middle of a series um to get to talk about this. Well, we got the briefest of teasers to the New Year's Day special, 2022 New Year's Day special, which is the first of three that are going to cap off Jodie Whittaker's and Chris Chibnall's time uh, on Doctor Who. Um, Now, the synopsis... (laughs) Look, let me just read it to you. So, it it goes, um, Sarah, new character we've never met before, Sarah, owns and runs Elf Storage, and Nick is a customer who visits his unit every year on New Year's Eve. This year, however, their night turns out to be a little different than planned. Now, James, when you hear this synopsis, or not even the teaser for the episode, yeah, are are you intrigued to watch Doctor Who? Um, I am mostly intrigued by why it's called Elf Storage in a New Year's special. I think that is thoroughly confusing. (laughs) It's a great point, James. I'm also like... Very confused uh, as to why uh, it's about storage containers. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's an odd thing. It, you know, you want to you think they want to put their best foot forward, and like, there's a great photo of um. Oh, well, look, I mean, there's a yeah. there's a photo of Jodie Whittaker. Um, you know, and that's no shade to her. I just think that the promo shoots that they do with her are like so cold. Um, mm. but that's a whole other conversation that we'll have oh, at Chris. some point, maybe. Very crisp. Look, it's a very high definition photo. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it was just like an odd little announcement. Uh, the is it Sarah, the the woman that's playing her, uh, I think we, you and I, are both quite a fan of. I love Aisling B. I'm Aislin, whatever. Yeah, Aislin B. I think she's adorable and a perfect fit for 
Doctor Who at Christmas or New Year's time. Um, no, so I think that's going to be exciting. I also really quite fuck with the um, the image they put out of the TARDIS with the cracks all over it. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice image, and it flows on from flux, which kind of leads you to imagine that maybe it whatever we're going through at the moment doesn't end uh, with flux, and the disaster will keep spilling into these specials, um, which would be cool. Uh, and you know, definitely means that we for flux's many deficiencies, maybe the story is not quite over yet. Uh, truly, truly. Um, I, I guess speaking of the story not being quite over yet, uh, no, no better time. Survivors of the Flux is episode five of series 13 of the Doctor Who revival. It is written by showrunner Chris Chibnall and directed by Azua Salim once again. Um, Callum, look, broad stroke, mm. how are you feeling? I went into this episode with a lot of good faith. I, you know, I know we had our problems with last week um <laughs> we had a little blip <laughs> we had a little blip um and it felt even bigger when we sort of read other people's reactions and realized that we were not in the majority with our take um and so but i went into this episode with a lot of good faith uh i i liked the idea that this might be a yaz uh dan centric mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. um yep. that we might you know get the this era doesn't really done companion only episodes very much if at all um and so nothing made me think that was going to happen other than the fact that the the teasers seem to focus quite a bit on them being trapped back in time and also the episode survivors of the flux which in um you know invites you to think that the survivors being the you know yaz and dan you know stuck behind after hmm. the destruction um, Never mind the fact that the Doctor is, like, physically removed from events at the end of Village of the Angels. She's turned into an angel, so it's not... Truly. Uh, you know, it's not unreasonable to think, like, but, hey, you know. But even on that front, you know, remember when we thought the same thing of uh, Revolution of the Daleks? Oh, yeah, yeah, when she was in Space Jail. She was in Space Jail. And we were like, wow, maybe this is going to be Yaz, Dan, and Graham. Nope, Dan wasn't there. Yaz, Ryan, and Graham uh, getting out and going out on their own. And it was a scene where they went up to the bad guy and were like, hey, stop being bad. (laughs) Um, A common thread amongst Chibnall's humans, if this episode is to also be believed. But we'll get to Kate. Um, Oh, my God. So, look, uh, yeah, I... I haven't really... I, I, I don't... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I haven't really actually given my thoughts on this episode in general, but um, I think you can probably tell they're not good. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, how do you feel about this episode? Well, it wasn't this thing that would have been good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of numb this week. Uh, it was a lot of noise. It was a lot of moving parts. Um, I, I, I didn't find any of it particularly satisfying. Uh, there were answers to things finally, but they were just the most rote kind of answer you can mm. imagine for a lot of the questions that were, that have been hanging over uh, the flux experiment. Um, which, yeah. So, you know, what, I'm oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, you've made me think of something, which is also like part of being a week to week show where you are constantly speculating and talking about it. It is inevitably going to disappoint you when you spend five weeks speculating that something might happen. And then the answer that you, that is, that, like the episode at, at the whole the series has never at any point been like we're not not going to do this 
Um, but y- you can't help but feel like I spent five weeks thinking it was going to be this other thing. Why wasn't it that other thing? Well, it's not even necessarily that I would say that I thought it was going to be one particular thing because like, as I said last week, um, Mm. I think Flux fundamentally fails as a mystery because it doesn't give you clues along the way. It gives you like, you know, 10 second smash cut edits of, of vague imagery. And you're like, Oh, that's something, but I've got nothing to theorize on here. So I just have to wait for, you know, Jody to dole out the answers in, in exposition form as, as she goes on to do this episode. Um, and so I wouldn't even necessarily say that I came into this with expectations of what I thought some of these answers would be rather that I just wanted them to be entertaining. Um, mm. and they're not, they're, mm. they're just, they're just there. It's very much like, you know, I think I saw, um, some tweet this morning that was like, so we started off this mystery being like, oh, well, the division is a, a shadowy organization that pulls strings from behind the scenes and they are somewhat evil. And that's why the doctor left them. And we ended this episode being like, oh, so the division is a shadowy organization that pulls strings from behind the scenes and they're somewhat evil. It's like, yeah. And like, the doctor left them. You're not, and the doctor left them. Exactly right. It's, you know, and I mean, somewhat worse than that to, to build off a point that you made last week about um, the angels being involved with division being just so much is that like division is just it's just specter and not even old school fun specter from the old james bond movies like new specter where you've essentially got tech Tun showing up and be like it was me doctor the author of all your pain and it's like uh, what come on and then also to add on top of that another shadowy organization which is the grand serpent and his like agents that he somehow has throughout time yeah. Oh, oh God. Okay. Look. Okay. So there's a lot going on in this episode. Let's try to, uh, fortunately this week we can break it down mm. storyline by storyline because they don't intersect really. Um, so this is much easier for us to talk about from a structural point of view. Uh, let's start with, uh, Indiana Jones <laughs> and Yaz and Dan and Jericho. <laughs> yeah. Let's start there. And like I said, lots of promise from the trailer, but, um, I once again, uh, don't care much for what this episode <laughs> lays down. I think, you know, when you watch Indiana Jones, you don't think, how is he bankrolling this, right? Like, you don't think... Well, you kind of don't have to because he's, like, the professor, right? And he has all... You just assume that he's being paid to travel around the world um, yeah. and do these things. With Yaz and Dan and Jericho, they were stuck in a village in 1901 with no means to, like... They had no money. How? No money, no identification. No identification. And so the idea of them just traipsing around the world. <laughs> literally globetrotting. Well, no, globe literally. Boating. Like, they go from, fuck, they go from, like, is it the Aztecs? The the, the Aztec tomb? Yeah, we open on them in an Aztec tomb. It's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and they're there to collect a pot. Um... Which granted, I was like, okay, what, 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 what are you following? What's the thread you're following here? Like, I'm interested to know what's happened in the interim years. But even that as a concept is not really explored in any great depth other than Dan being like, what if we're stuck here, Yaz? And then she's like, well, the doctor will come or something like that. And then that's it. It's exactly the same analysis of their situation we got from them last week. Dan's like, 
are we stuck here? And Yaz going, it'll be fine. And that's just exactly where we're at three years after they've been stuck now. It's like, mm. oh, okay. Like, does, I mean, Dan doesn't even mention die. I don't know. I don't know. We kind of harp up on that, but like, that's the only established character motivation that Dan has had so far is that he wants to get back to die. Um, and so for that to also have just completely vanished from his character makeup is, um, thoroughly confusing. I don't really know what Dan does in this episode other than like have that one Liverpool moment, um, which like, this is the episode. If, if proof were needed, this is the episode that proves he should not have been here. And that's no disrespect to, um, the actor, John Bishop, who I genuinely find charming. I just Mm -hmm. think Dan as a character is so thin, so thinly drawn and so, non-essential to the proceedings of this series that his presence is a distraction and a diversion i was gonna say a division then and i was like "Hmm, later um (laughs) they're everywhere (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) that i just i just i arc up you know when i see this kind of like inessentialness it's time wasting when it's six episodes of a massive spanning episode i don't know why this character is here and I'm going to say that of a yeah. lot of characters in this episode where I'm like, why are you here? What are you adding? Why are you introducing these yeah. elements now, an episode away from the ending? Yeah, exactly right. Um, there is, uh, look, look to, to swing back to a positive, uh, there's one Yaz moment that I really love in this episode where um, they're, they're on their one of their many cruises um, that they're, they're on this boat <laughs> together. And the Yaz is left alone in their room for a minute and she pulls out like a little holographic recording of the doctor being, um, which I mean, look, logistics aside of her being like, Oh, hi, I'm recording this in the two minutes between uh, once upon time. And when the angel took the TARDIS, don't worry about it. Um, that aside, which does obviously irk me a little bit, mm. uh, it does enable a really sweet character moment where, you know, Jody, I mean, rather the doctor has their very traditional, like, oh, the world is ending and there must be signs of that throughout history. I need you to go and chase a MacGuffin this entire episode while we're separated. And I was like, oh, okay, this is just more exposition. But then at the end of the recording, uh, there's this really nice moment where the doctor's like, if you're seeing this, it means I'm worried about you. A nice beat. And, and I miss you. And then it cuts back to Yaz and she says, I miss you too. Um, I think I'm, I'm remembering that right. Mm. And then the, the doctor says something along the lines of like, um, you know, oh, that's sweet. And it's like, oh, it would have been awkward if you didn't say I miss you too. And they, they kind of like have this laugh, even though they're not in the same room or even in the same time anymore. And it was a really nice moment that was just like, oh, there, there's the character stuff. Like there's mm. them actually giving a shit about each other. Even if that doesn't, entirely gel with what we were liking about the Jody, uh, the Dr. Yaz stuff throughout the rest of this season. Mm. Um, the isolated, quite liked the acting. That's, I guess that's just what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. And like, we spent three years with Jodie Whittaker. So even if we, uh, as the doctor, and even though I think we both feel like she's gotten a very raw deal as a character, mm. um, to play with, uh, you can't help. I can't help, but be charmed by her. Um, because I love Doctor Who, ultimately. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I agree that scene was, um, nice, even though what they were saying to each other was just plot points. <laughs> well, that's the other problem with that scene is that it establishes what Yaz and Dan and Jericho are doing in this episode, which is, 
essentially trying to find um, historical evidence through, I don't know, psychics throughout history oh, yeah. um, of, of the day that the world is going to end because... As the doctor says, something as big as the flux is sure to create ripples throughout history. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, and it will. Sure. Someone will see it or foresee it, and again, playing with this like psychicness, but not in a way that's like leading up to something, but just a general assumption that people are psychic. Deal. There's magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the ghost stuff from last year. Yes, yes, exactly right. It's very, very odd. Um, so this eventually leads Yaz and the gang to um, a a holy seer on a on a mountaintop in um, Nepal. Uh, Nepal, and um, he he says to them, "It's like oh, I've got three words for you: fetch your dog." And it's like. Oh, mm. Okay, and I was I was already a bit miffed by that, mm. and then Yaz is like, "I know what we have to do." Oh my god! And then they travel to China. they travel to the Great Wall of China, uh, where they promptly cut down a bunch of forest around the wall, and in white paint, right on the earth in massive letters, uh, "Hi, Carvinista, <laughs> Dan is trapped in the past. Love you lots. Come rescue us." Basically, um, do you know my favorite which- thing about that is like. Tell me. We've had all these characters. We've had fucking Sontarans, like, doing psychic time travel or whatever the fuck it is they do. And yet, after that moment, you get a shot of Carvanista in his ship, like, in the present, looking at it, being like, I can't time travel. What the fuck? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> and it's just so confusing, because it's like... So, he's seeing it in 2021, and assuming that the Lupari ships don't have magical time computers means that it's just in white paint on the surface of the earth for what, 70 years? And unnoticed. And not, no one's ever been like, oh, I remember that fucking massive monument to Chinese like industry and history. There's a big sign on the side. Didn't you know what it says? The one you can see from space. The one you can see from space. <laughs> Oh, it's just, and that's the thing. Like, I don't even feel like we're being assholes for nitpicking that. That doesn't feel like a nitpick to me. It just feels like, what the, what is happening here? Uh, it's just, no, and for it's, it to, even not to lead to anything in this episode, I, I don't know. I assume next week Carbonese is going to do some sort of time travel because, of course. Because, um, yeah, you're right. They put the, they put the message down and then they get that scene of Carbonista being like, I can't help you. So then their next bet is like, I don't even know how they get to the idea of going to Liverpool, but they decide to go to well, Liverpool. Yeah, they paint the stuff in China and then they're like, well, I guess we'll get back on the boat set that we've got. Um, <laughs> and then the tunnel guy, oh, the Liverpool tunnel guy, that's right. bursts into their room and he's like, hello, I'm the plot. And then draws them. I don't know. I think that he leaves and they're like, oh, wait a minute. He's from Liverpool. Let's go to Liverpool. Um, and then they go to Liverpool. They go to Liverpool um, and they go to the tunnels. The tunnels come back and we get this like, uh, uh, what does he say? Something along the lines of like, oh, you're the first people to, to hear me and uh, to recognize that what I'm trying to do. And then he introduces us to this like big chamber in his tunnels where he, there's all these like doors of death that lead off to different time periods, which presumably explains how he was able to pop up randomly across these episodes. Um, yeah. But... Uh, as to how and why the tunnel and doors uh, are there, we don't know yet. Um, but something happens with those tunnels, which we'll come back to at the end, I think, maybe, James. 
I don't remember. So let's come back to it now. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, um, by way of leading oh, us into our... Oh, wait. No. Okay. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, let's park that until we get to the Grand Serpent stuff, which honestly won't take very long because next up is um, the Bell and Vinda and also Carvanista subplot, which is... Um, I mean, it's there. It's more nothing. To be honest, it's more filler. We don't learn anything about these characters in this episode. There was one, one good moment, one good moment where I was genuinely like, I kind of see what you're doing with the Bell and Vinda stuff because it's mm. kind of it's kind of with the same DNA of like the Doctor and Donna just missing one another in Partners mm-hmm. of Crime. Yeah, because you get this scene of like Bell is approaching the Swarm planet, which looks a lot like Exegol, as you pointed out from Rise of Skywalker. Um, I'm just saying, this looks like Exegol. There's a shot in Fugitive of the Jadoon that is like a one-to-one ripoff from a shot in The Last Jedi. Uh, there's a lot of Rose in Bell's dialogue. I just think Chibnall has seen the Star Wars sequel trilogy. That's all I'm saying. You know, there were big movies. You probably did go to the cinema once and see them. Yes, but we both know that wasn't what I was implying. Anyway, <laughs> continue. So we get Continue this- with not Exegol. <laughs> Well, we get this scene of Belle going to Nor Exegol and um, she's like, great, I'm here. I'm here where all the people have been taken from last episode. And then just as she approaches um, uh, Carvanista, who in the present is part of the, the fleet that's protecting Earth, um, he recalls the ship because one of the other ones has been damaged and is listing away. So he recalls this the ship just as Belle's about to approach Exegol. Now, as that happens, Vinda beams down to the Exegol planet um, and he is the hyperdrive of the ship, like engaging. And he says, you know, ah, oh, another hyperdrive. Someone really wants to get away from here. And it just was a nice moment of like ships passing in the night. They were so close to one yeah, another. It's that misconnections thing. Yeah. yeah. If I cared about them, I might think that was a nice moment. And it was a nice moment, but I don't fundamentally yeah, but care it's just, about it's, them. It's nice in an academic sense. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. So we get um, this scene of uh, all the people that have been taken sitting around these. I don't think they're even important. They're just like light fixtures. Um, yeah. And Swarm and Azure are there and they mass kill everyone and use. I think the implication is that they're using people to fuel their power. So the more people they take, the stronger they get kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, which will explain how they end up in the cliffhanger for this episode. <laughs> there isn't much more to the Vinder stuff other than that he gets uh, beamed, uh, he gets trapped inside Passenger, which just happens to be the same Passenger as uh, as the one that Diane's in, who makes a shock mm. re- uh, moment when she comes back. And what does she say, James? Um, she's like, oh, thank God, someone's got a gun. I've got a score to settle with these ones. And it's like, um... Who are you, Di? <laughs> you know what she says? Uh, you know what she says? Mm. She says, finally someone with a gun. I'm Di, by the way, from Liverpool. <laughs> from Liverpool. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't announce by saying, hi, I'm Callum. I'm from Adelaide. Yeah, that's it. If you met someone inside of an, an alien, in an alien landscape, you'd be like, well, hi, I'm Di. I'm from a place called Earth. You know, I don't think I'd even say that. I'd be like, thank God there's someone here. Look, we've got to get out because I've been trapped here. Like, 
Yeah, for an indeterminate amount of time. For her to end that, I'm, I know we're being nitpicky, but for her to end that scene purely on a line that is like end of scene dialogue is it? Mm. it mm, mm. It's just it's just Chibnall's way. It's just whatever. It's his anyway. Way. Um, Belle and Carvanista then meet up and they have a cute little standoff. I actually really enjoyed that moment between those two because they're my two favorite characters from this entire thing. Well, other than Swarm and Azure, though. Mm. Um, mm. So I liked them having their little shootout together and then been like, oh my God, other ships have shown up. Um, which brings us to the return of um, everyone's favorite potatoes. Well, yes. Uh, we're sort of going to do the Grand Serpent stuff backwards, I suppose, if we start there. But yes, we... Well, the Grand Serpent stuff, there's just nothing in the past that's actually interesting. Well, no, not really. We get these scenes of the Grand Serpent sort of threaded throughout the history of UNIT, the military organization that the Doctor was like partnered with in the past and has recurred through this new iteration of the show. Um, last we heard of UNIT, they'd been disbanded. So uh, this was sort of an odd and I suppose nice... Uh, opportunity to see them again uh and we see you know there's like references to the tardis uh because the tardis has uh, fallen into unit like the current version of it has fallen into units uh protection um so they've got it now um and uh, we see uh, like a little callback to lethbridge brigadier lethbridge stewart um oh my god ben <laughs> which uh Sorry. you know is not the tribute <laughs> that some might think it is it's just a little throwaway line really um, yeah, but worse than that, I think, is the scene with Kate Stewart. Yes, so Kate Stewart's, uh, you know, um, beloved return, I, I suppose, based on the reactions to the trailer last week. Uh, she comes up against the Grand Serpent, who by the year 2017 has uh, risen the ranks to be. He's got oversight over Unit, but he's not actually the head of Unit. That's still Kate. Um, and they have a scene together where he's like, well, time to shut it down. Nobody needs a unit anymore. And she's like, I see you, you know, uh, you think that no one's paying attention, but I've seen you throughout history, the doctored photos and the reports, uh, people always dying around you. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right. I get it. This is very, you know, you're calling out the villain. Cool, cool, cool. And then she ends it that entire speech by being like, so I'm here to tell you to stop it or else. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what? <laughs> like, you've got him. You know he's, like, shoot him. <laughs> shoot him. I don't know. Like, you're the head of unit. Like, I don't even know what his role Tell is. Tell someone. <laughs> in the organization. Yeah. Or, like, is he the chair, I think, is what they were kind of implying or something. Well, he's obviously in control of funding to some degree. Um, yeah. It's it's very nebulous stuff. But it's just, it's just one of those character interactions where it's like, I... I mean, I don't think either of us particularly care all that much about about Kate as a character. Um, she's fine when she's around. I think um, in in the the Moffat stories, probably her best stuff is when she she's allowed to just sort of act on her own behalf. The worst, I think, mm. I like I really don't vibe with her. Like every episode that she was in in the in the past, just stopping to remind you that she's Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart's daughter. Like yeah, you know, and I so. My favourite moments of her are, like, the very first thing we see her in in Power of Three and then um, the Zygon invasion inversion because, like, that's just an episode mm. where she just gets to, you know, be a unit uh, operative. And, um, yeah, 
Yeah, so, like, I don't particularly care, care for Kate. I didn't much care that she was coming back this week. Um, and it feels so odd and out of place, like, and with zero fanfare. And that's the one thing I kind of hate about this era. It's just, like, as much as I don't like Kate, I feel like that would have been a great thing to drum up in tension about the show. But, nope. Mm. Just nope. Um, yeah, it's just, it's all a bit humdrum. It's so humdrum. Um, one other weird thing about Grand Serpent is he, his name is a literal explanation of who he is. Because he's got a big serpent. Yeah, he's got like a weird body horror psychic snake, I guess. So when he looks at you, psychic he snake. can make a psychic snake come out of, like eat your brain and then pop out of your mouth alien style. Um, and then it slithers back up his leg and goes back inside of him. And it's like, oh, oh. So when, so Grand Serpent, because you've got a serpent. Aha, mm. uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Serve it to me, <laughs> steak style. Indeed. Um, it's just, it's, it's just all a bit of a nothing. And it's made even worse by the fact that, um, it just feels like him doing this stuff is the byproduct of the super limited COVID cast mm. because, you know, I remember when he showed up in Vinda's past and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's a really cool performance. Um, I liked his energy. He's obviously part of something massive way out in space that is so far disconnected from earth. He would never be involved in earth. And then suddenly he's time traveling through earth and you're like, oh, oh okay. I guess everything just has to be something here. The Grand Serpent as a character, like, if he's your villain, sure. But I feel like that could have been taken by Swarm and Azure. Like, they have been so very sidelined in these last few episodes that I'm sort of like, we don't need another villain. We don't need another fucking villain, which is why the ending of this... Oh, actually, before we get to that, um, just a sidebar, there is that great scene of Kate going up to her house and (laughs) it blows up. Yeah, like I was watching it this morning and um, I was lying in bed and I literally said out loud to an empty room because uh, earlier in the scene with the with the Grand Serpent, she's like, oh, your your mind snake won't work on me because I've got a psychic shield. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I saw her walking up to her front door and I was like, bitch, a psychic shield ain't going to protect you from a bomb. And then it, it happened. I was like, oh, I see you, Chibnall. <laughs> um, it's also the slowest bomb in history. It's so slow, but my favorite moment is after it Kate gets up and she's like she rings Osgood gets a name check she rings Osgood and she says Osgood I've got to go dark and then snaps her flip phone in half and throws it on the ground uh yeah yep 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 I mm. I just don't know what Kate thought was going to happen when she called out the grand serpent and then didn't immediately take him out exactly but also, like, he just blew up your house. Like, you've still got a job. <laughs> Go to work tomorrow. Yeah, like, there must be a bunch of other people in unit who aren't Serpent Boys. Because we find out that um, uh, Yaz and Dan are... Uh, there's an assassin after them mm. with a, a Grand Serpent tattoo. And then we find out that he's also inserted his, um, his people into the unit command. So that in 2021... Uh, he, he, he picks up his little red telephone. He's like, oh, aim all the missiles we've got at Earth. Yeah. I was like, oh, 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 why? <laughs> why? Why indeed? He says, um, he says he's in his office and he says, it's time, lower all defenses, arm all weapons, ensure all miss- missile systems are aimed inwards at the planet's surface. You have the list of target cities. Yes, sir. Of course, sir. Everything is in place. Do we have an agreement? 
And it's like, it's like, okay, <laughs> it's like sidebar. It's like the role play thing that you and I did with your like tape work of like reading out the script. Right. Yes. Yeah. For those <laughs> playing along at home, um, I'm studying marketing at the moment. And part of it was they had to have me pretend to do like a role play of a business meeting and there had to be a partner involved. And because I hate all the other students, I just worked Callum to do it with a script instead. And so it would very much just be like, hello, good morning. Welcome to business meeting. <laughs> yes. Good work. Much business. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, I love business. Um, yeah, that is the vibe of this. And then um, uh, the Potato Boys come back. Uh, Sontarans, that's their name. Uh, he, the Grand Serpent calls the Sontarans and says, okay, well, you can have the Earth now. I know I've been trying to take control of its military forces for the past 60 years, but it's yours. Like, uh, well, yeah, why was he acting what? on their behalf? Um, I, I, I settled this for me in my head. Are the Sontarans returning to exact revenge for the last yes. time? They were Yeah, in- yeah. So when I when I rewatched it this afternoon, uh the Sontaran specifically says like it's time for Sontaran revenge for like I, th- I think he says something along the lines of like for the humiliation or something. I don't know, but like it is very much we are coming back. And so now the Sontarans are occupying Earth again. In the same series. I just <laughs> <laughs> I just, and so this is what happens. So we, we the Sontarans are back uh, and they start flooding through the time doors in the past as well. So they're invading the past oh, too. Oh, yeah. And like... When we say the time doors, we mean the ones that are in the Liverpool tunnels that uh, the tunnel men showed to Dan and Yaz. That's why we talked about that being important later. That's right. Because, um, yeah, they're flooding through that. But then in the trailer for next week, we also see them once again flying over modern day London. And I guess the Lapari shield is completely gone because it's daylight. I don't know. I think so. I mean, I think that the implication is they're going to just tear down through the Lapari shield and leave it completely right. vulnerable. I just like, I just like, uh, get your time right. Get your time right, Doctor Who. Like, what's happening? Are they invading at all periods of time? Are we just seeing what we saw in that Sontaran episode again? Or is this a new invasion? Yeah. Like, yeah. it just... It's, not, it's very confusing. Add to that, fucking next week, Daleks, Cybermen, Ood, whatever you want, bring them back. Oh, I know. Yeah, it seems like those, like, doors in the tunnels are just going to lead to, like, and here comes Villain A. And villain B and villain C. Oh, is that the master behind that door? Maybe. Like it's just like, oh my oh, god. god, why are we? Like it's just it's 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 too much. It doesn't feel at all connected to the flux itself, mm. which like this episode technically answers what that is. Um, I don't know. It's it's both convoluted and boring, which is just the worst combination. Truly, truly, and it is so very convoluted, and we're gonna get. Well, we're going to get to that now, I think, because we have the vi- the well. final um, thread of this episode, which is uh, the big one, the Doctor and Division. Okay, so um, if you were excited last week at that cliffhanger because you thought that it was going to mean something, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, the Doctor de-angel fires within what, 20 seconds. seconds. Um, yeah. Pure seconds. 
Yes. Uh, it's very odd. So, so at first, you know, she stops being an angel and she's inside this like void that's full of angels. And you're like, oh, okay. You still wanted to have Jodie Whittaker running around doing things, but like she's, this is her mind. You know what I mean? We're, we're trapped inside her mind where she doesn't look like an angel in here because it's herself. Um, but she's still physically going to be an angel outside of herself. And the angels have some more psychic whispering to her being like, oh, haha, oh, ha, we just did this because we thought it was funny. He, he, he. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And then she's instantly brought back to her physical form normally. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's such a, yeah. The fact that they are like talking so much, it's like, shut up. They just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, angels. <laughs> uh, it does lead yeah. to a great moment though, which you and I have been laughing about. <laughs> Oh my god! Let's think. I don't know. I don't know if I'm laughing with the show or at the show about this one. Uh, but there's a moment where the doctor's like walking around and they're not responding to her, and she like walks up to the one of them. She's like blinking, blinking, and it's like, oh god. <laughs> it's like you said this about the the hologram recording scene when we talked about it before we jumped on here. But like everything has to be a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is a joke or it's plot, and there's no. And it's funny because, like, this isn't... Don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't much care for the way these scenes were written in Revolution of the Daleks. But at least that episode slowed down once in a while to have those moments, you know? We've not Mm -hmm. had anything like that in this this series, you know? It's so... It's... we, We... You know, you think back to, like, Revolution of the Daleks where they were like... For all my flaws, all the things I have wrong with that episode, like, at least it... Like, it slowed down for a little bit to tell its emotional story at the same time. Um, we just don't get that here. We just don't get that at all. And... No. And to go back briefly to the Yaz scene with the hologram, like... That would have been a perfect moment for the Doctor to be like, Hey, I know I've been really, like, short with you lately, and it's not because of Mm. you. It's because I am dealing... Like, it's because I just don't know who I am, and it's making me question everything or something, just a something because yeah, she's been a real fucking awful person to Yaz of late. Um, and we're never going to address that. We're just never going to address it. The only way we could address it is if at the end of all this, Yaz is like, you left me behind again. I'm out and never looks back. But I know it's not going to happen. Well, and then in the new year's special, Yaz has a shipping container that she (laughs) needs to visit. Um, and Oh, the doctor's here. What? Sorry. It'll be like last Christmas, but bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so she gets she gets turned back into her her person form. She does. Can um, I sorry? And, can I say one other thing? Yeah, when she gets converted, this uh, weeping angels, you know, say we are. They say we are conversion, and I thought, is this a new division? Are we? Yeah, it's so odd, right? Like, because it implies that the angels only exist to do shit for the division and be assholes about it. And it's like, oh, mm, what do you think about this, angels? Like, if you're going to talk, at least talk to me about what you want. Exactly. They're just... Like, are they going to the new universe? They've just, like, I don't know. Like, apparently they can... I guess they can traverse universes, which is, like... Wow. That's a big leap. Um... And cool. Um, 
And also Jody like specifically says you've encased me in a weeping angel form. So like that's another thing to add to their repertoires that they can just turn people into weeping angels. Yeah, it's just Han and the Carbonite. <laughs> Basically. Um yeah. anyway. Um yeah. Mood. Ood. <laughs> yes, uh the Ood appear again, and I feel like the Ood is only there because what they had the Brand costume recognition. and they were like we can't yeah. brand recognition yeah basically um they had the costume in the store and they were like oh put an in there um because it it doesn't need to be there but whatever i don't care um sorry great yeah no i mean that, that's it like uh you know when, when we're making our show notes before we started uh callum wrote like doctor slash tech team slash ood and i was like yeah well, there's nothing to say about the ood it's just like it's just there um just there. so the ood is serving division shocking so we're finally at division i guess this is what this has all been leading up to um we arrive on a pretty cool looking space station hmm. that has a a neat pink tree in the center of it i quite liked how all that looked um and we meet up with the old woman from once upon time yeah who, uh you wanted to be god i thought yeah why not fuck it let's go meet god um it's tech Tayun. so disappointing tech is division i still there you go i still stand by my theory that like tech Tayun is like supposed to be some kind of god maker or god I, not not Tectarian specifically, but the, the person that I thought Tectarian was going to be is some kind of god figure. Because, like, the whole tree symbolism is very Norse mythology and, like, you know, tree at the end of the world and that holds up the world kind of stuff. Like, um, it's not that. <laughs> I know it's not. And I'm just saying things that I hope were there. Um I just, yeah. This is just like you before being like, oh, it'd be cool if this was this episode. It's like, yeah, but it... It's not. It's not. Um, so, yeah, th- that old woman who was like, oh, you're never going to find me again two episodes later. No, she's specifically later. like, don't, fi- don't try to find this place. And then, yeah, like a couple of hours later in showtime, she brings the doctor to this place. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the whole big weeping angel thing was a big Tectarian plot too. Why don't you just chalk that up to Tectarian? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we find out that Division is a, you know, shadowy organization pulling the strings from behind the scenes with nefarious means in mind, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they exist in between universes, which is why the Doctor hasn't been able to find them. So this also confirms, I never, ever want to deal with multiverses ever again. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm so bored by them in, in pop culture. Um, and I know they've only been around for the past like year or so, but they just drive me up the wall. Um, anyway, so, tangent. Um, Even she acknowledges that though, because she's like, multiverses, our terminology became quaint a long time ago. And it's like... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you're still doing it, Chibnall. You can't make fun of it and then also do the thing. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we find out that this is Universe 1 and Tectoon is currently trying to fly her big tree spaceship into Universe 2. Um, she's doing this because Universe 1 has reached the end of its life cycle and because of uh, that, she has released Flux into it. And so we find out that Flux is a division creation uh, meant to... Uh, Initially, obviously, we thought it was destroying the galaxy. Um, it's compressing it, which is, you know, 
park that one. We'll get back to that later. Um, and the reason why Division has decided after, you know, millennia of um, successful operations to uh, burn down an entire galaxy uh, universe is because they don't like the Doctor. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, uh, It's basically like, they, she said, Tectarian says, the universe, um, we let a virus into the experiment of Division, like, controlling everything and the doctor says what's the virus and she's like you you got out from division like not let's not forget the fact that also she like i assume applied for and was granted leave from division so well there's that um and then you know she says um i knew you would never stop hounding us and then the doctor says so the universe has to end to protect the existence of division so basically the universe is being shut down by the flux from this ship because they want to protect, they they want to deny that division ever existed, and it's like you need to shut the like the whole idea of like you need, needing to shut like the universe down to protect your uh, secrets is big. I'm not going to say it's cool, but it's big. It's a big thing. Mm. Um, I just don't, uh, I just don't care. Ultimately, well, like. Yeah, but that's it. Like the the problem is that like Tectoon and in turn Division's motivations are now so loose and weak. Like there's a whole speech about you know, oh Doctor, you're a problem because you travel around and you give people hope. You inspire them to rise up and to think differently. Um, and it's like okay, sure. Um, but th- then to go a step beyond that and be like, and because of that we are going to collapse an entire universe that we've been working on forever. And that in a previous scene, she had just said, Division was an amazing success beyond my wildest dreams. I love everything we've done. But because you keep running around, mm. I, I got to blow it up now. And it's like, well, but you just captured her in the form of a weeping angel and then you let her out again. It's like... Well, you won. Like what? It, it just, it just mm. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, what would be more interesting is like, and I think I, th- I theorized this at the start is like the idea that the flux is happening and the universe is needing to end because the doctor has literally traveled around time so much that mm. like they fractured it just by the sheer, just by doing what they want to do. And that it's sort of in the DNA of this explanation, but not, and it's specifically tied to like the fears that the doctor is going to reveal what division is reveal it to who and when, because division presumably is throughout the Truly. whole of the universe. It's so across massive space and time across yep. space and time. It's so massive. How could you prove its existence and mm-hmm. why create the flux? Like if they are as powerful as they are, she should not be a problem. And this is the thing is like, actually in the DNA of the show the doctor is the ultimate like avenging angel event like she is mm. she is the only thing standing in the way between like good and bad in this show and so it it would like you to think that that that's a good enough excuse in the same way that like the doctor being like I'm the doctor look me up is like a good enough reason to scare away potential villains. Mm. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And it it's stuff like this that really makes me think the universe literally needs a reset in Doctor Who. And maybe that's where this is heading. Um, but yeah, 
it's just, it's too much lore. It, it's weighed down by its own, like, logic and momentum at this point. It is. Um, Jody has a really great line delivery where she's like, how powerful do you think I am? Or something along those lines. Um, and that's a really cool nugget of an idea that could have been explored. But, like, again, they just... They can't simultaneously introduce Division as all-seeing, all-powerful, unstoppable, and then also be like, oh, but we're afraid of the Doctor. It's like, you made the Doctor. like, exactly. And not just as Division, but also as Gallifrey. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that's the, the other thing about, like, um, Tectarian's whole, like, you know, the Doctor says, you know, you denied me a life, you denied me who I am, I could have been collected by my parents, like, what if I was waiting there and you took away whatever I had in potential my future. And, you know, Tectayun says, you know, everything you are is because of me. And then she goes on to be like, you know, what do you do? You pick people up and you take them, you adopt them. They're your experiments. You know, we're the same. And it's like, okay, so she is who you are, but you're going to criticize her for that. I'm sure it, I'm sure it could make sense. I just, I just don't care enough to make it make sense well no that's it it's, it's asking you to do a lot of heavy lifting to make all of this flow um and i'm not inclined to do any more of chibnall's heavy lifting like i'm, I'm done mm. <laughs> i am i am i am tapping out i i don't want to pretend as if you know he's oh you know maybe in in five years time we're going to look back at this and and sort of see it for what it was and look i get that i get the irony of of someone who is out here trying to convince you you folks as listeners and anyone who listen like you need to go back and revisit clara revisit (sighs) that moffat era because there is so much there that you just didn't pick up on the first time and so i understand the inherent irony and me being like i don't think this age particularly well um but i i just i just don't like I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown ass adult now. Do you know what I mean? Like when I, yeah. when I first watched Clara, I was, I had, you know, sort of early, late teen, early twenties, stupid brain, um, and and couldn't fully appreciate what was going on there, right? And then as an adult, you you bring them more, more of that critical lens. You have a wider understanding of the world and of storytelling and how these things are supposed to work. And so I can see what is there now. And I look and- at this. And I look at this every week. And and for years now, with Chibnall just consistently slamming its head against the wall and I, I I just I'm tired and to your point like you're saying about like Clara and how you didn't really appreciate it as a teenager or like a young adult but you do as a, an older adult um yeah when I think about like and we've talked about this on the show when I think about the Russell T Davies era like I was a kid then I looked at it through a kid's eyes and I'd like to think that and I therefore I idolize it and I find it really hard when we come up against like problems of that era because like in my head, I'm like, it was all perfect. Um, yeah. And so I, in my head, I'd like to think that there are kids watching the show now who are like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And who will have that same thing when they get older and revisit them and be like, actually, this isn't very good, but I don't know how... I, I hope that they don't get mm. that kind of conflict. Like, I hope it's pretty... <laughs> everything's fine and easy for them. Um, <laughs> but I think I hope that it will be the same thing because then it would prove that this isn't really well not prove that it isn't dependent on like quality obviously it is but that at a certain age you can enjoy this for what it is um yes i just don't know how kids are getting their heads around all this stuff though well no that's it also when you say kids you mean like kid kids or like 18 uh like you know anywhere between 10 and 16 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Those very formative years when you're watching media for the first time. Look, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't put myself in their headspace. Um, it's not my place to like, if you're out there and you're having a good time with this, fuck, go on your, with your bad self. I'm just saying specifically for me, the way this Tectarian stuff plays out and the way this division stuff is playing out is just, I mean, it's the perfect cap at a chibnall because it's like, yeah, yeah. this is, this is who you are as a creator. This is who you are as a writer. This yeah. was your vision for the show. And it's, it's this, it, it's convoluted. It, it makes no sense. I, yeah, it's, it's I'm just cold. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like Chibnall, the fanboy is running the show, not Chibnall, the showrunner. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a very important Cause you know, um, Broadchurch first season, at least other, well, other than that weird, kind of last few minutes um really liked Broadchurch uh mostly even, and even if I didn't agree with its themes ultimately about the church and whatnot um I still can recognize that like Broadchurch is a well-written well-acted well-paced well-shot well-everything show it's it's a very good first season of a television show um and I just I just don't see any of that here at all um it's it's night and day it really is should we wrap things up um I guess so. Swarm and Azure also show up. Like, uh, criminally <laughs> underused. Criminally underused. Like, villains. Yeah. The only yeah. other thing I would say There's... before we do wrap up, sorry, even though I know I introduced it, is that we get a brief moment of the Doctor being tempted by their past memories. Uh, yeah, so it's revealed that Universe 2 is the other end of the wormhole oh, that the Doctor God. was found under when she was a child, because of course it is. That's right. Um, and then Tectoon is like, come with me and I'll give you your memories back and we can sort of go and find a new universe together. Um, and the Doctor's like, fucking, if you know anything about me, you know I'm not going to just leave these guys. And then Tectoon actually rebuts with like a, a, something that seems to make the Doctor pause at least is... What if I leave Earth alone? Earth gets to stay existing and and do its do its thing. Then you come with me, though. Um, I I don't hate this. It, it's mm. kind of like that. Uh, it takes you away frog moment, you know, where it's like, let's go and discover something un uh, that you don't even know about together. Um, I don't think there's any semblance of the emotional no. impact that that scene has in, in this. It's just more of a like, oh yeah, academically speaking, I see what you're doing. <laughs> um, sort of. I, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that really from what she was saying, other than like that she failed in one attempt to um, convince the doctor. And so like just switch tactics in mid sentence. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, that that's also fair. But I mean, that's the thing about Tech Tayoon in this episode is that like, she's just, I like moment to moment, sentence to sentence. It seems like her motivations change. Um, you know, mm. it, it starts off as like, we released the flux. Uh, you were going to die inside that universe and the flux was going to get you the same way it got everybody else. Cool. That's what, that was your original plan. Oh. And then the doctor, yeah, she says that. Mm. Um, and then the doctor intervenes, throws a, the tech tune is like, Oh, you threw a, you threw a fucking TARDIS in front of the flux. What were you thinking? Um, and uh, Sure. Okay. Whatever. So that obviously messes up her plans somewhat, apparently to the point where now she decides, okay, I've got to remove the doctor from the situation so that Fox can play out and destroy that universe because the doctor is too dangerous to leave alive inside that universe. Cool. Great. Fantastic. Pulls the doctor out of that universe. Has the doctor captured, unable to do anything, practically dead, brings her back 
and then proceeds to say to her, oh, you're too dangerous to, to be left alone. I'm going to leave you alone now with my ood. Goodbye. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> why? why? Yeah. For no reason. She doesn't come back and then she has like a weapon or something else. She just comes back and she's like, I'm back now. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Does the plot need me again? Hi. <laughs> The other interesting thing is that I think that that big scary house is the doctor's mind, I want to say. Or like her hidden memories. Yeah, yeah. So we get like a brief flash of the spooky house from uh, War of the Sontarans because, uh, well, first of all, apparently um, uh, all of Division's memories were trapped inside of that rogue weeping angel somehow. That's right. Um, and then Tectayoon removes them from the Weeping Angel and puts them into a fob watch because, fucking, of course, it had to be a fob watch. Remember when it was a lighthouse? That was cute. I liked that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, the lighthouse. So it, yeah, it wasn't like the lighthouse like uh, lit up. It was just that little button thing. Oh, I know, but still, it was nice. It was cinematic. It it had relevance to who she was as a person. You know what I mean? Like I remember the fob watch originally. To me, I thought he had a fob watch because. Uh, John Smith in that time would naturally have a fob watch. And so it had to be an item that was like organically in the person's life that they would feasibly never get rid of, but also never think about all that much. So like a fob watch. Um, but then it turns out, no, fob watches are just cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that very same season also has the master have one. So it's obviously established as a device. Um, but to your point, yes, yeah. I get what you're saying. Um yeah, I don't know. Other- anyway, um, yeah. yeah, she finds the fob watch and then she, that's where all her memories are. That's also where the spooky mind palace is. Um, so I guess and, sometime yeah. between like the last episode and this one, Tectayun transferred them all into the that thing. Yeah. I fucking hate the show. I- <laughs> it's... <laughs> She pulls up like a hologram of a weeping angel. She's like, oh, now don't you worry about that angel. I zapped its memories. Bye, angel. It's like, oh, I guess that's the weeping angel's done. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. That's a wrap on the angels, everyone. Yeah. Um, the other interesting, I say interesting, it's not, um, thing about this episode is that the doctor theorizes that the flux isn't destroying stuff, but rather compressing it. And that anything that can be compressed, it can be decompressed. <laughs> Just like when you smush something into the ground, you can unsmush it. <laughs> I just, I, I have major magic. problems with this big old retcon on, because like we saw planets get ripped apart. We saw it. We didn't make that up. That was Chibnall. You put no. that effect in that episode. So like for them to now be like, oh, it's just compressing stuff together and Earth at the epicenter of it all, which obviously it is, um, is just a big old like, don't worry, the universe is going to be saved next week kind of thing. Yeah, exactly right. She says to the Ood, she's like, oh, well, with this magical device on my lapel and this ship, I can reverse all of this, but oh, you got to yeah. let me, Mr. Ood. That's right. With the thing on her lapel. It was like a, like a compression plate or something that allows them to exist outside of the universe. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, Swarm and Azure show up, kill Tectayoon, so we don't have to worry about that anymore, um, and then are about to kill the Doctor, and it cuts to credits again. Hmm. Hmm. Um, survivors of the Flux, uh, C minus, D plus, I don't know. Yeah. I don't care anymore. <laughs> God. I mean, I know we had big problems with last week. 
This is the D. But at least there was something to like dig into with last week. Like last week, I didn't enjoy myself. Hence, I had something to talk about. This week, like I know we've gone for another hour. And I know that's the kind of the joke that we, we do here. It's like, oh, we're going to go for 20 minutes and we keep going. But like, there's... I don't, I don't even dislike this episode. I don't I don't think or feel anything about this episode. Yeah. It, it left my mind as soon as I was done watching it. I had to watch it again so I can make some notes for tonight. Because otherwise, I was just like, I, I got nothing. Mm. It's a D. It's a real big fat D for me. And I don't think next week's right. going to be good at all. <laughs> I, I My no. last little burning ember of hope is gone. And maybe that will be good. You know, maybe we'll t- I'll tune in next week and be like, I have zero expectations this is going to be good. And I'll be pleasantly surprised, maybe. Well, that's that bit in uh, last week's succession where Tom is like, the trick, Greg, is to not have hope. They can't get you if you don't have hope. <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty much where we're at. Oh, so true. <laughs> so true. Um, anyway. Oh, can we just thank do a Succession so podcast? Like, that be- Oh, God, I know. <laughs> if you're not watching, Succession is just so good. And because it's coming out on the same day as Flux as well, <laughs> it's like I wake up at 6am, I watch a really bad TV show, and then later that night I get to watch a really good TV show. And it always throws it into such stark contrast for me. It, truly. I've also been watching Six Feet Under, and I'd love to be able to talk about that with you and and the people in this show, um, because I love that show. But no, talking about Doctor Who. Nope. This is this is what we're doing. Uh, next week we will be back for the Ravages. Uh, Kate is Vanquishes. back. The Daleks are back. S- Vanquishes. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. It um, should be called I, the Ravages. I... Like they're the actual fucking villains of this whole thing. Oh. The only villain of Flux is Chibnall. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as you do every week here. We really appreciate the listen. If you want to drop us a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to the show, we would really appreciate that. Again, twoheartspodcast at gmail.com to the word to if you want to uh, write in and tell us what you thought. If you liked this episode, say so. You know, just like we'll happily read it. We're not going to mock you for enjoying this. Like we're happy for you. Um, we just need something to balance out us uh, careening <laughs> into this this uh, pit. Um, I've been James. You can find me on Twitter at OMG More James. And I've been Callum. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Theatric Callum and you can reach out but I'm not going to be happy for you if you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's joking. Uh, He's joke. joking. He's <laughs> Alright, have a good week everybody. Stay safe, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.